You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. It was many uh, years ago, I was with some of my buddies. We were with our families as well down at the beach, and uh, my buddies and I went out to dinner at this little tiny place. There were probably about 10 seats in the entire restaurant, sort of all along this long bar, and we were sitting there, and we were um, having dinner and enjoying ourselves, and there are a few other folks in there, and we were talking with them also, and then my friend Sam, everyone has that friend, um, and my friend Sam said, you know, he's a priest, uh, and I thought, Sam, and of course, immediately, um, all the joy left the room, um, and uh, everybody became incredibly, uh, well, I, you know, I I go to church and I've read the Bible and, uh, you know, they began to tell their, um, their stories and, and I, you know, that's, that's great, uh, but I felt bad for them. They felt, you know, this need to sort of be on their, um, on their toes now. And as the conversation continued, there was a man sitting right next to me uh, and the man said, I go to the Cathedral Church of the Advent. And my friend, um, you know, as I say, he's stronger on honesty than tact, uh, because he said, well, you must not go very often. Um, and he, he, he said, well, what, what do you mean? Uh, and he says, that's one of your priests. Uh, and the poor guy, I, I sincerely, I felt terrible for him because, of course, he began to kind of fumble and stumble a little bit. Um, and he asked me, he said, well, how long have you been there? <laughs> And I hated to give him the answer, five years um, was the answer I gave him. And I, and, and I share that with you because, as I say, I, I, felt, I felt bad for the guy. I didn't want him to feel, uh, I didn't want him to feel judged. Um, you know, that's, uh, that, that's not what I wanted to leave him with. And I was stumbling, trying to uh, help him perhaps um, feel a little better. But the reality of the situation of all that is, you know, who else was being judged was me um, because... Um, I didn't want Sam to bring that up. Um, I was off duty. Um, I was away um, from the building. We, we read about Jesus saying, uh, you know, be prepared, um, be prepared. This will be your opportunity um, to bear witness, uh, Jesus says. And so uh, you know, the judgment, as much as it fell on him, it, it fell on me as well because I wasn't exactly, in these words, ready to bear um, witness. Uh, and he says, of course, settle it therefore in your minds not to meditate beforehand how to answer, for I will give you a mouth and wisdom which none of your adversaries will be able to withstand um, or contradict. And uh, this as a, as a slide aside, every commentary I've read said this does not apply to preachers and teachers. Um, they said, if you know you're scheduled, do your homework, um, is, is what all of those said. This is, this is talking about something different here. And what we're hearing this uh, morning in this 21st chapter of the Gospel of Luke, uh, you know, I mentioned... The building and being away from the building, we hear, of course, about the destruction of the temple, which in fact um, did take place under the hands of the Romans, and the destruction um, of Jerusalem as well. And if you've, some of you have uh, probably, well, I know some of you have been over and have seen some of the remains of the wall, but if you've ever read anything, it, it was something uh, certainly uh, aesthetically, structurally of magnificence. Uh, it was tremendous in its design. We hear that they're coming out and they're, they're marveling. Uh, much of it was clad in gold and silver uh, and, and jewels, and there were um, uh, these uh, uh, sort of 
trellises of grapes which were as, as large uh, and, as you and me, which, which hung down, and the doors, the front doors clad in gold, were 75 feet high. Um, you know, imagine, uh, imagine that, and then the corresponding width uh, of the doors. Some of the stones that have been found in the retaining wall are as long as 40-some feet, 11 um, feet deep, and a similar um, height, and that's simply the retaining stones. So you can imagine on the magnitude and the grandeur uh, of the temple. Um, there were columns uh, in the colonnade which led up. There were columns, uh, and the columns were said to be um, uh, so wide that three men with their arms gathered together. That was the circumference uh, of, of the columns. It, you know, again, it was, a, it was a tremendous marvel visually, aesthetically. It was a phenomenal uh, accomplishment of design and of architecture. One of the descriptions of it uh, I appreciate by the Roman historian Tacitus was immensely opulente. Um, uh, so as you might imagine, uh, immensely opulent. Um, that was the design, that was the design of the temple. But as you might imagine as well, um, one of the things, uh, despite all of our best intentions, those things often get in the way. Uh, and the temple had become um, corrupt, not surprisingly. And you know why the temple um, became corrupt? Because there were people, um, is why. Um, and uh, the, the people were um, exploited, and power was condensed in the hands uh, of a few. And it, rather than leading people to God, it led people uh, away from God. Uh, and Jesus, in some ways, is speaking descriptively. This is going to happen, uh, is what Jesus says. And also there is a word of judgment that goes out on the temple um, also as the chapter continues. The reality, of course, is that it was, in fact, um, torn down. And as I say that, and I, I hope this is not too um, metaphorical, we, we all know what it feels like to be torn down um, in one way or another, whether it be, um, whether it be relationally. Um, or whether it be emotionally, mentally, physically. It's, it's part of um, the human condition. Jesus says not one stone will be left upon another in regard to the temple. And we often experience that um, in our own lives as well, as, as we feel um, broken, as we feel um, torn down. But one of the great things uh, about the nature and the character of God and the way in which Jesus speaks here, uh, one of the things that we see is, is the economy of God is dramatically different than our economy. The economy of God is dramatically different uh, from our economy. When, when Jesus speaks words um, of judgment, the judgment leads to deliverance. When Jesus speaks a word of judgment, that judgment um, leads to deliver, deliverance. Uh, you know, I mentioned that. My, my buddy, when we were there at the restaurant, what the guy felt was a word of judgment, but I don't know that he felt a lot of deliverance um, in that particular moment, despite all of my um, fumbling efforts. Uh, but Jesus um, speaks a word of judgment that is ultimately designed, and not just designed, um, but the word of God has the power to affect. Uh, it's a word which ultimately leads to deliverance. And, and the word of death in the economy of Jesus and in the economy of God were, leads to life. Uh, these words spoken about the temple as jarring um, as they were, words of judgment, words um, of death, words of disorientation and reorientation are ultimately words which lead to deliverance. They're ultimately words which are designed um, to lead to life. Because as it goes on, one of the things that we, that we see is this promise 
uh, from Jesus that not only is God a living God, but God is a personal God. God is a living God. God is a personal God. God is a God um, who will be with us uh, and will give us what is necessary um, in the moment. And sometimes it seems like maybe it's only just barely um, what is necessary in the moment. Uh, But what we see is that, of course, um, this building will be replaced by something greater, something not made by human hands. Of course, uh, the body, which is Jesus's, the temple, which is Jesus's, will be torn down uh, and in three days will be raised up. And what will be given to you and to me uh, is something which cannot uh, be taken away from us, Uh, something better. We're offered uh, a living God, uh, a personal God. And it speaks also in here of, of betrayal. This, uh, not surprisingly, knowing um, that I was preaching, I've been reading this for, for over a week now, sort of reading and, and rereading this, and I'm teaching, and I've also been reading about Elijah um, as well. And one of the things that we hear in this uh, portion is, is a word of betrayal, um, that, you will be, um, that you will be betrayed. And in some ways, I would say, um, uh, if you read this, it kind of needs a sticker warning, because recently um, I, I read it, um, before I went to sleep, and that night I had nightmares um, all throughout, and they were of people that were close to me betraying me. Um, and let me just say, I don't have those often, um, so this is not a usual thing, but I, you know, reading this, I just felt so incredibly worked up. And do y'all ever, does this ever happen to you? Thankfully, this is a rare thing. You wake up and you know it's not true, but you're still so wound up. Um, I feel, like I've, I feel like I've done that with Paul, and Paul has done that with me before woken up, and, you know, in their dream, we did something terrible. It's like, it's not true. <laughs> there's, there's this anger. You're so wound up about this, and there's this word given of uh, betrayal that uh, not only will this be torn down, but, 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 you'll, be, um, but you'll be betrayed, and some of you even um, put to death, and you will be hated um, by all for my name's sake, is what he says, but not a hair of your head will perish. What Jesus means by that is um, that God will see all of this, uh, that God will oversee um, all of this. And at the end, um, in the end, because of his presence, because of his character, because of who he is, we ultimately um, will not perish. It's, it's ultimately a final word, a final word of life. One one final um, story by way of, of sharing this. Um, again, I mentioned uh, Elijah, and if you remember Elijah, uh, the prophet, uh, you know, interestingly, of course, in the transfiguration, Moses and Elijah uh, appear with Jesus, and they are talking with him. And Elijah, uh, a huge, huge character, um, well, not just in the Old Testament, but throughout the New Testament. Here's a little trivia for you. Do you know how many chapters um, Elijah appears in? And that's, uh, that's all right. I appreciate your humility um, because the answer to that question is six. Isn't that crazy? Elijah appears only um, in six chapters of the Bible. And you may remember one of the biggest things, of course, Elijah is the, is the showdown with the prophets of Baal to see who the true God is. Is Baal real or is Yahweh real? Um, who is really God? And of course, as you remember, it's an overwhelming defeat of the prophets uh, of Baal. Uh, and Elijah expects that uh, Jezebel and Ahab and the people will gladly receive uh, and convert um, to sort of faith in Yahweh. And you remember as the story goes along, 
Um, Jezebel, not only is a, is, are she and Ahab slow learners, they're not learners um, because they don't learn and they don't um, turn. And if you remember, Jezebel says to Elijah, let me make a promise to you. Um, let me be dead if I don't have you dead by tomorrow. Um, is what Jezebel says to Elijah. And it, it's fair to say, um, even for a phenomenal man of God such as Elijah, those words are slightly disconcerting. Uh, and if you remember what happens, Elijah just basically says, he says, I quit. He says, I'm out. Um, uh, I'm out. I've, I've had it. He goes to the wilderness, kind of in the, uh, in the example of uh, Jonah. He sits under a broom tree and says, you know what, I'm just ready to go ahead and die. Um, let that be it. And if you remember what happens, of course, is that um, in that moment, God, who rather than um, giving up uh, on Elijah um, or uh, judging Elijah, he comes and he restores him. Of course, as you remember, uh, 40 days and, and 40 nights, uh, and there is a word given to Elijah, God himself appears, but not in the ways that he would expect. He's not in the earthquake, and he's not um, in the fire, and all of the dramatic means, but we hear, and it's actually, it's a really evasive word uh, to translate, and often you'll hear uh, a whisper, a gentle whisper, or a still, um, small voice. Uh, you'll hear different words in an attempt to describe the way in which God speaks to Elijah. But what I'd like to say, and the reason I'm sharing all of this with you is, we see the gracious pursuit of God, and ultimately what God does um, with Elijah is, is he restores him, uh, and he renews him. But, but what God ultimately reveals to Elijah is that he is a living God, uh, that he is a living God um, who is with us. And so the reason I share all that with you, these words which we read can certainly and rightly be startling. We, we hear of the reality, the descriptive reality, there'll be wars and there'll be rumors of wars and there'll be terrible storms uh, and there will be um, persecution and there will be betrayal and all of these things will be a part of the world as we know it. Uh, and it's kind of hard to argue with, isn't it? Um, it's, it's part of the reality that we know. But what we hear is that none of those, all of those pale in comparison to the greater word. And the greater word is the nature and the character of God, who though the temple is torn down, he gives us something better. Because ultimately what he gives us is himself. And I, I share all that, sorry, now I mentioned that word betrayal, because this ultimately is where we see the nature of God, isn't it? Because inevitably we betray um, so often one another, uh, and we betray God. Jesus speaks specifically to Peter, you'll betray me. Um, all of you um, will betray me. And yet what does God do after that in the resurrection? after he has been torn down, he comes and he restores. And so I hope we all hear this day, in the midst of this word, that great and glorious word, that we have a redeemer, that we have a redeemer who is a living God. We have a redeemer who gives us something better than all the things that we can shape and fashion, who gives us uh, himself. And that everything that comes our way with, with him as our God, with him as our savior, um, who we serve wildly and perfectly, we have a security that cannot be taken away. And as we hear that, let us pray. Heavenly Father, you know how readily we love to cling to things and things of our own construct. And we thank you that uh, even though as, as jarring as it may see, that as you remove those, that you give us something better. You give us yourself, uh, a true and living, uh, seeking and redeeming God.
Pray that through the work and the power and the presence of your spirit that you would speak to us uh, and that we would know and the joy and the strength of your presence uh, and the life which is in you. And all this we ask ourselves, we offer in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.